0: Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm joined today by Nate Pickowitz, who is a New Englander with us here serving in the Frozen Chosen <laughs> and uh, preaching the Word of God. He's also a pastor. I'm really excited to have him on the program today because we're going to be talking about a very important subject as we consider the importance of what song time is all about, is preaching and teaching the Word of God so that people will hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, I'm really excited to delve into this because it's simply using the same terminology we just talked about, how to eat your Bible, a simple approach uh, to learning and loving the Word of God. Again, we're joined by Nate Pickowitz. Nate, thank you so much for uh, this book, first of all, but also being willing to talk to us about the importance and your love for the Word of God.
1: Yeah, no, happy to be here. I'm glad we get to do this again, you know.
0: Why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about uh, yourself? You're a pastor, uh, you're an author, you're a, a scholar and a student of the Word of God. Uh, why is this book so important to you?
1: Yeah, so I uh, grew up in the town I'm pastoring in. It's a small town, Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire. Uh, not very many people here, but grew up here. I uh, went to church in the area, and uh, whether or not I fell away or got saved later, Not really sure how that all worked out. But in the providence of God, he drew me to himself. And I was going to church. I was doing churchy things. I was serving. I was on the worship team. You know, We did all the daily disciplines of believers. But the one thing that was kind of smacking me in the face is that I just didn't read my Bible. And the times I did read my Bible, I struggled to get into it. I didn't love it. It was just like a rigid obedience that uh, that I had a hard time being impassioned with. So um, in the providence of God, the kindness of God, uh, just to use certain circumstances to, to really give me a fire, he turned me on to the word. And uh, it was through a specific reading plan, but just a time in my life where he just opened it up for me. And uh, so from that point, I really just had a passion to, to do the same, to write a book geared toward the way I used to come to the the scriptures and really written for uh, a person who is either struggling or new to the Bible or just needing to be encouraged. And so I wanted to encourage believers uh, on how and um, what best ways to go about reading their Bible and loving the word of God.
0: You and I had a similar experience in the sense that we grew up in the church and uh, we were kind of uh, accustomed to the Bible in a lot of ways. And it's very different for a, a new believer who comes and has this absolute excitement about the Word of God. But it is a challenge for many, myself included, to see the Word of God as uh, satiating, as really a satisfying book to read, because uh, a lot of the ways, even in my childhood, reading it was very academic or even, you know, compulsory. So, uh, it is a different way of approaching the Bible, but it's a necessary one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in, in John 17, Jesus says, you know, eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. But when you talk about what it is to know God, we, we know Him and we're sanctified by His truth. He's revealed himself to us in the word. And so I've oftentimes heard the analogy, and I think it's a good one. Imagine you're a soldier at war and you receive these love letters from somebody at home. You know, you, you have those letters and you cling to them, not because of the paper and, and the ink on the letter, but because of who is writing you those letters. And so the word of God is, you know, it is his revealed word, but it's it's the God of the word. He's the one we worship, but we get to hear his thoughts and access his mind and his heart in the scriptures. And so, to get closer to Him, you hear Him speaking to you in His Word. And so, the more time you get to spend with God prayerfully in the Word, and I want to say prayerfully in the Word, um, it just, it draws you closer to Him. He uses His Word to accomplish amazing things in your life. Uh, It's just a challenge to get to that point, but again, that's why I've written the book to try to help do that.
0: Yeah. And it's a book, it's it's a subject that we need a lot of help with, to be honest with you, because, you know, we there's been challenges in reading the Bible. You've probably approached it before. You had no clue what you were reading, or your mind was wandering wandering the whole time you were reading it. And those sort of experiences, like what you were talking about and how I grew up reading it in a compulsory way, if we're carrying that baggage into our study of the Word of God, then it's it's kind of a hurdle that we have to overcome in some way to actually see what the Bible says and, and enjoy it in the process of reading it.
1: Yeah, I think too. You know, I think we're so bombarded with with media.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, we're we're addicted to distraction. You know, we want the fast information, want clicking headlines. We just get our stuff and we go. So it seems, especially nowadays, counterintuitive to sit down, quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and just spend time reading and thinking and studying and praying. It's counterintuitive to us in our culture. But I think just as sinful human beings, I think every every generation struggles to quiet their heart and to fight the flesh and to actually get to the word because that's if Satan can stop you from reading the Bible, then he can invalidate the majority of your walk because you have no direction, you know. Without vision, the people perish. That's what the Bible says. So that's essentially the, the heart of it. So it does take effort, it does take work. I mean the book is not this book doesn't exist to just shortcut that for you but hopefully just to help and sort of uh, encourage you in some of the helpful ways um, to really uh, go to God with a humble heart, with a prayerful heart, and, uh, and begin to, to start on that process.
0: This is a term, you're talking, the illustration of your book and how to eat your Bible. I mean, that's, that's actually a biblical term, right? That's something that we see it in is. the Bible. So explain that to you, where you got that idea from and, and how it fits perfectly with this model.
1: Yeah, so the the a couple verses, you know, one in uh, Jeremiah, one in Ezekiel. David talks about this a little bit in the Psalms. Just the idea of actually, like, uh, taking parts of the Bible, the parchment, and chewing on them and eating them. And I think it's Jeremiah at one point says, I, I put it in my mouth, I tasted it, it was like honey to my lips, you know. And you know, he doesn't really mean, like, grabbing pages of the Scriptures and chewing on it. No more than Jesus in John 6 wants us to eat his physical flesh and drink his literal blood. The idea is there's an intimacy with eating. There's an intimacy and and sort of an ingesting, a spiritual ingesting of the Word. And the idea is that you want to have the Word of God so close, hidden in your heart, it's as if you're just eating daily the Scriptures. And so the metaphor is so vivid and so beautiful. Why not use that? Because that's what God uses as a metaphor. So God desires us to eat His words and to, to nourish ourselves, you know, Jesus in Matthew 4 says, you know, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So God desires us to be intimately acquainted with his word. He wants us to know it. He wants us to think about it. Um, you know, He that's the way he's communicating to us. And so if we can learn how to do that and how to love the word, uh, it just it produces fruit that's just bountiful. You know, so that's the that's the challenge is, is getting to that point. But that's what God wants and he wants us to do that.
0: I like that you mentioned Matthew four because that's exactly what we're studying and uh, looking at Jesus and the importance of the Word. I mean, if Jesus w- is the Word, I mean that's what John tells us. He is the Word. W- why is it so valuable for if it's invaluable for Him, why is it so much more important for us to uh, to consume this as well?
1: Well, sure. I mean, because you know we're sinful and fallen and and by ourselves we're not reconciled to Him. I mean, Jesus as the incarnate Word. Every time he speaks, it's just he's putting forth revelation. I mean, mm-hmm. everything out of his mouth is inerrant revelation. So we don't have that. You know, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, the Bible says. You know, so I have to be, you know, driving out sinful thoughts and sinful desires and sinful impulses um, and by the power of the spirit. But he uses the word to do that. He uses the word. Uh, it is the word that sanctifies, according to John seventeen seventeen. So, you know, we have to if, if it's if it's good enough for Jesus it must certainly be good enough for us. And so, uh, again, we have to discipline ourselves and challenge ourselves and ask God to give us desire for His Word. I think if you pray and ask Him to give you a love for His Word, if you're if you're fervent in that, uh, He responds. He answers. He really does give us a desire because that's what He wants from us. He wants us to love His Word uh, as a reflection of loving Him.
0: I think the challenge here is having the Word of God consuming it. You mentioned a lot of the references of eating the Word in the Old Testament. I mean, these guys had portions of the Bible that uh, we, don't, we don't typically read. We certainly don't savor them. And yet, it is, there's something more to it, right? Because this is God's disclosing of information to us. This is the way to know God. And if we want to know God, this is the way to do it. That's We have to first approach it with that mindset, don't we? Yeah, I mean,
1: Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is living and active. So the Spirit of God uses that Word in present time. It's not an archaic book that used to apply to people back then, doesn't apply to us now. It's it's present tense. Mm-hmm. So yes, written 2,000 plus years ago, but the Spirit uses, there's something about the words. There's something about the words uh, that there's power in them, there's life in them. It's not the the book itself, the, the parchment, the pages uh, there, it's, there's something alive in the Word, so God uses that to enliven us. Uh, we come to faith by hearing and believing the Gospel, again, the words of the Gospel, and we're also sanctified by the very words of God. So um, there's something incredibly powerful, and when you tap into that, when you can, as a believer, if you're not a believer, then you have a very different thing you have to deal with. You have to deal with salvation. But as Christians who really are born again, and we have the Spirit of God living in us— That's the food that he nourishes our souls with, is his very word. God spoke the world into being by his word, and he sanctifies us also by his word.
0: Now, if we're faithful Christians and we're going to church every Sunday, we're getting our, you know, preaching and teaching and we're reading the Word of God together as a community. Uh, is that enough uh, for the average Christian? I mean, when when we're thinking about how much of the Word we need to take it in doses, I mean, you know, 52 weeks a year, that seems a pretty good uh, approach to the Word of God, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, how many times a day do we eat? Yeah. I mean, we eat at least three times. I mean, we spend more time physically eating uh, than we do on, like, a Sunday. You don't just eat you know, one meal once a week just to get you by. So, you know, it's amazing that God uses even that metaphor, because if if we need to eat at least three times a day for physical survival, how much more do we have to eat of his word for spiritual survival? So I think the model is set for us that I don't think you can get enough of God's word. But I I think there's also on the other side of it, I think some people get scared off because they say, well, I don't have four hours a day to just sit and you know, drink coffee and just read all day. I have a job. I've got a family. But you know, I would even encourage you, start and end your day, even if you have 20 minutes or whatever time you have, and ask God to help you. Um, and the other thing, too, is carving out other time. I mean, lunch breaks and on your car ride, driving, listening to audio Bible. There's so many ways that you can immerse your life with the Scriptures in ways that aren't sort of just sitting down traditionally and just studying straight. I think there is a way to just make your life all about God's word, and that's really what He wants. He wants our lives to be consumed with knowing Him. So, however, you have to do that. I encourage people in the book to be creative, and have fun with it. You know, find creative ways to get into His Word and make it make it a not. A, I wouldn't say a game, but make it a challenge and a fun thing for yourself, and you'll be surprised at what God does in that process.
0: I think you've you've hit on an important point: is the the process of Of enjoying the word of God. How do we get to that point, though? I mean, a a lot of people are saying, "Yeah, I've tried to sit down and do a quiet time. I I I see words on the page and I'm baffled by them." Especially people that have started their year to you know they're going to read through the Bible and you and you have a little bit in that in your book of 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 kind of how to develop a plan there. But people have already given up. Uh, They've already gotten to a place where they they said this isn't helping. Um, I need something different, and they've stopped reading the Word of God. What do we do with that? How do we encourage people to press on and persevere and read the Word of God when they've tried it and it just doesn't have the effect that they think it should have?
1: Yeah, there's definitely no silver bullet to that, but I think just a couple of thoughts is that, first of all, I think just being honest before God, if you're struggling in this way, I mean, God desires us to know His Word and to be close to Him. So if we're not and we're pushing back, we have to recognize that there is a level, even if it's passive, a level of sort of disobedience to that, or even just hardness of heart. If that's the case, the first thing you can do is just get get on your knees before God and just talk to him and just say, Lord, I don't love you as much as I know I should. I don't love your word as much as I should. Help me. God is faithful. You know, he'll, He's faithful to forgive you and soften your heart. He's faithful to give you desire. One of the things I did early on, when I came to the word of God was uh, I was praying regularly for desire. Like, Lord, give me a fire for this. Like, you know, this is not exciting yet. I want it to be exciting. And he was faithful to just stir that in me. So uh, admit that you are where you are, you know, turn from that, but give your heart to God and ask him to help you with desire and understanding. And then I would, a third thing I would say is change the way you think about Bible study If you've been locked into Bible in a year, now there's nothing wrong with Bible in a year, but if you've been locked into that and it's not really working for you, change your thinking. Think of a longer term approach. Don't think about it like I got to power through and get to the end. Think about it like I'm going to know this book for the rest of my life. So if God gives you 50 more years on earth, think about it this way. I want to know as much of it as I can and I want to make my life about understanding and discovering the word of God. Then the pressure of the daily constraint in the the rapid you know reading schedule i mean reading through romans one through four in one morning my goodness like there's so much there you know you could take a month and a half on that so i just encourage people to slow down change the way they're thinking about it and make it make it a joy and a challenge to to discover what it is about a specific book or a specific text and uh, just make it fun for yourself
0: I think in in that regard, you know, praying for desire, asking God to give us desires for the Word and craving it, uh, we also have a lot to repent here, right? Jesus uh, says to repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's carrying up, you know, John the Baptist's message. There are a lot of things that we've filled our life and our time and our priorities with that really have superseded the priority of the Word of God in our life, and we need to confess right. that, don't we?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think we do, especially, like I mentioned earlier, you know, with with our culture's addiction to technology and information. I mean, you know, I think an iPhone's a great invention. It can be really helpful. I use it every day in in my ministry. But it's also a stumbling block if I'm not careful. And it's very easy to get up in the morning and go to the headlines versus disciplining yourself to get up in the morning and turn to the Word of God and start with the Word and then fill your day with, you know, other things later on. But I think it is a discipline. And I think that, you know, if we have set up idols in our heart that are more important than God we have to tear those down we have to ask him to forgive us and tear those down and start to not just put off but put on the right disciplines and i think if we can put that on again in the very beginning it might feel like you're still getting used to it but if you discipline yourself in that way it actually gets easier the more you do that the more you spend time with God the more you get to know his word uh, the discipline becomes easier and the habits don't seem as jarring you know like Most people, I hope, uh, brush their teeth, you know, once or at least twice a day. You know, the first time you did it as a kid, you hated it. But now you don't (laughs) even think about it. You just do it because that's what you do. So Bible reading is the same thing. Once you get into it, it feels wrong at a certain point. You're like, oh, I missed something today. It's the Bible. So I think you have to practice that. You have to discipline yourself for godliness. Um, But the Lord is so faithful. And um, we're not asking him to do something in us that he doesn't want to do. So pray for desire. Pray for help and uh, just keep on seeking him and the scriptures say that you seek him he he will be found
0: mhm this is this is a subject where uh, I have to admit, I, I don't pick up too many how-to books. <laughs> uh, you know, Most of them uh, are not worth the paper they're printed on, to be honest with you. But uh, sure. this how-to book is, I think, really essential because you're dealing with some very practical steps on a subject that I think a lot of people struggle with, and you're teaching them a skill that will be self-rewarding as they develop it over time. Uh, but this is a skill that a lot, a lot of people uh, don't have. Why is that? Why is this such a challenge for so many people? to love and cherish the Word of God, especially when we're talking about Christians here. Uh, why is it something that we have to work at? Why doesn't it just happen naturally?
1: Sure. Well, there's probably several different levels to that. I think one is our sin nature. Again, the, the enemy of our souls doesn't want us in the Bible, and our own flesh doesn't want that. We want what's what's fleshly and easy and sort of t- you know titillating. We want just the stimulus. We don't want to do the work. I mean, mm-hmm. We're lazy by nature. Uh, nobody wants to go to the gym, you know, but if you want to get healthy, you do what you have to do. I think that's part of it. But I think the other part of it, too, is that, you know, again, we live in a culture that we're just not, we're not, you know, 200 years ago, it was valued to to be a learned and studied person. You know, you had, you you know, even farmers and, you know, just regular workers, you know, laborers, that that valued knowledge and they would learn latin and they would read the classics and that was just a different way of education we don't really value that anymore and it's a shame that we don't we don't value critical thinking we don't value spending time and learning something a skill especially when it comes to knowledge so i think there's a cultural pushback a little bit um, but i i think we just have to overcome that i think that you know we're we're children of the kingdom of god um, and god has given us all that we need for life and godliness so if that's the case, then you have to put some of those things to death and, and just run hard after him. But um, I just don't think that we value that as a culture right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think part of why I wrote this is because instead of just complaining about the biblical illiteracy epidemic, mm-hmm. I want to do something about it. And I, I'm hoping that a book like this and others will just be a way to help people overcome that and try to make it as palatable as possible. I'd love to see a revival of the reading and hearing of the Word of God. That's what changes people. It's not going to be programs and institutions. It's going to be uh, immersing ourselves in the Word of God.
0: I've noticed uh, a trend in in thinking about how we're talking about a, a culture of biblical illiteracy. I mean, the trend, I mean, devotionals are on publication All the time, there's always devotionals coming across my desk. But what I've noticed is more and more of them have less and less scripture and more and more uh, chapter, (laughs) more and more uh, of the author's uh, ideas. It seems that we're we're unable to really approach the Word of God as it is, and we need these kind of entry level approaches to it. Um, Your book is is giving people full access on their own to the Word of God, and uh, although they may not be able to parse out every verb and and make sense of every verse, there's something special and important about that that is only is only realized when you actually start doing it on your own. It's self fulfilling, self rewarding, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I I wrote the book specifically for that purpose. I wrote that uh, you know there's, if if you're familiar with publishing, I wrote it at a popular level mm-hmm. specifically for that because you know unless you're you're used to doing it, unless you grew up doing it yourself. Um, I don't think most people are even aware of what it means to sit down. Most people, you know, flip through their Bible. They don't know where the books of the Bible are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, instead, I'm, I certainly don't want to. I don't want to shame anybody. I'm not looking down my nose at anybody. Rather, I want to grab people and lift them up and help them. And I think that we have to teach people. Uh, we need to teach our children how to do this. Teach our, you know, disciple others in the church on how to do this. Um, but you're you're going counterintuitively and counterculturally. To, to just go to a book that is very easy to sit down and just read. Now, understanding all of the depth, God needs to help you. But, I mean, these are some things, are things that even children can understand. Uh, and so I think, again, I think it is a discipline. Uh, and I think um, we, this book is just designed to make it as accessible and as easy to follow along as possible. And I wrote it just short to be just a guide, just to be something to encourage people along.
0: And I think that you mentioned a really important point where a lot of people feel that the the Bible is just out of their league of comprehension. Uh, The reality is it's not. Um, And you you spend a lot of time talking about the importance of praying before we read the Bible, but Mm -hmm. also asking for wisdom. And I think that's a crucial point. You know, James makes that point. If we ask for wisdom, he'll give us wisdom. That this is more than just an academic process. This is actually spiritual nutrients to our soul that the Spirit works with. So this is much more that, that God uses the Word to accomplish his purposes and not just filling our head with words and knowledge.
1: Yeah, it's not about knowledge. I mean, you know, Paul in First Corinthians says, you know, not many of us are wise, not yeah. many of us are notable. I mean, we're we're not the the intellectual elite, you know, we are regular people. The church the body of Christ is generally made up of regular people. Um and even, you know, an atheist who is, you know, the most brilliant mind in the world, they can understand, you know, the verbiage and the academic background, but they might miss the entire point of what God is saying in his word and they will miss the entire meaning of the scripture in a way that a a five-year-old child who loves Jesus will understand very clearly. So, you know, this is, you know, this is, these are spiritual words for spiritual people. Um, But again, we do have to overcome some of the, what it's called hermeneutical, you know, uh, the art and science of interpreting the Bible, some interpretive things that you have to do. But I mean, once you get used to doing that, it's like anything else. I mean, Anything that you do for a job, for a career, for a hobby, there's a learning curve. And once you get the basics of how to do that, uh, the rest becomes easy. You know, I don't know anything about woodworking, but you take a crash course on YouTube and it, you can at least figure out how to start, you know, and then the masters are doing the master stuff. But it's like anything else. If you devote yourself to it, uh, the learning curve goes by and you all of a sudden you begin to, to, have, to, to be conversant with the word of God. And it's just such a joy.
0: I think a lot of people approach the Bible in that mindset as, you know, we approach it the same way we approach a lot of classics. It's it was for its time and for its place, but, um, you know, we are looking for answers for the here and now, the immediate, like, I need to know how to fix my marriage, I need to know how to fix these things. And when we're approaching the Bible at, to try to pick out the ways in which it's addressing us in that way, we're kind of missing the big picture, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and I do talk about that a little bit, you know, the, the action steps, the the application. There are things that God wants you to do and things that God wants you to know. Sometimes the application is, know that I am God, you know, and well, what does that do for a person? Say you are struggling with fear or anxiety. The answer is not to go and run around and do a bunch of stuff. The answer in some of those moments is to be still and know that I am God. Um, so God ministers to us at different levels, you know, and it's not all about just, pragmatically fixing problems you have to get to the root of the problem and many times uh, the issue is derived in sin or unbelief or or other things like that and and the word of god does spiritual surgery on us and the spirit of god is able to get to the very core of who we are and nine times out of ten a marriage problem is not necessarily just a marriage problem it goes deeper than that it's a it's a me problem it's a you problem it's a sin problem so You know, God ministers to us as whole people at the heart level, and it's out of the heart that all these other things come. That's what Jesus says. So, you know, I think we have to stop looking at the Bible as a utilitarian book that's just there to fix things. We have to see that as a a whole-bodied revelation of the Word of God that's able to do heart surgery and change us from the inside out. Whole life changes. I mean, it's transformative. So I think if we see that uh, more holistically, then the nuts and the bolts get figured out, but really we're we're meant to read the word of God and stand it in awe at His Majesty and to glorify Him as God.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's just an importance to the process of reading it for what it is and to understand what the Bible is telling us and showing us. Because you know, I, I remember when I was a, a kid, my my dad was a pastor. He, he put up this plan for our church to read through you know portions of the Bible, and we put in the bullets in every every week how many chapters of the Bible we had read. So I saw that as a challenge. So I just looked through the Bible for all the shortest chapters possible to read so we could rank those numbers as high as possible. Uh, That's not really the approach. The goal is to get this book inside of us, to eat this book so that this book is inside of us, to hide God's Word in our heart, to Mm -hmm. transform us, to change us, to help us to grow. This is a process. Growing is a really tough process, and you can't do it without calories. And the same thing applies spiritually, doesn't it?
1: yeah, that's a great analogy. I kind of feel like I want you to answer that question because that was really good. <laughs> yeah I mean it is, it is a process and like you know like I've been saying all along, you know this is a whole life kind of a thing. you know it's not just a checklist kind of a you know, okay I, I ate my breakfast, I brushed my teeth, I did my Bible reading. It's more than that. I mean if if we are Christians, if we are people who have been redeemed in Christ for the glory of God, then our whole life is redeemed for the glory of God. And so, you know, the Bible speaks to every single component of who you are. It speaks to your your desires and your heart, your mind, your marriage, your family, your job, your politics, everything. So, you know, uh, if if I could give you sort of the Rosetta Stone that was going to open up all of life, you would chase after that and say, oh, I want to know the mystery, all the secrets. You know, well, it's not a big secret. It's revealed. That's the whole point of the scripture. It's revealed to us. And we just have to go and read it and apply it. And I think so many times we want something more. And to go back to your point about devotionals. The most popular devotional in the world right now uh, is adding words to scripture. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say which one it is, but, you know, we like to fancy additions. Well, we have to see the word of God as sufficient. You know, the Word of God is sufficient for all of our needs. We just have to read it, understand it, and apply it. So God is more than able to minister to His people through His living Word. Uh, We just have to be obedient to follow and to obey
0: what would you say to somebody who says, I already know what I know. Why do I need to go back to the Bible? I know the story. I know that just, maybe they've already read through the Bible in a year and they've put it on their you know, bookshelf. Uh, I'm sure there's no one that's saying that. This is a hypothetical person, right? <laughs> but for anyone that says, you know, why do I really, really need to return to the Bible? I already know the Bible. I mean, what, what would you say to that person?
1: So that's a trick question because here, here's, here's how this goes. Uh, Christians who are born again Christians who have a, a new nature, who've been regenerated uh, through the ministry of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, true believers want to know God. Um, you know, the Old Testament, you know, the, old, the the New Covenant that's prophesied in the Old Testament specifically talks about how God removes our heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, and he writes the law of God in our hearts. And we no longer have to say, okay, do this, do this, do this. Something in us has changed to where we actually desire I want to know. Even if I don't love reading a book, there's something in me that wants to know God. And I think that's the hitch right now with a lot of popular publishing is that people have the desire to know more, but they're not finding the answer in the scriptures. They're finding it from trusted teachers who have their own ideas. We Mm -hmm. have to banish that. You know, we have to see that the sufficiency of what we need is in the revealed word. Um, And so I think, that is the bigger answer. But I think, um, you know, for a person who says, well, you know, I got the, I got the general idea, I would say that you're, you're probably missing some stuff, you know, it, unless you can spit back to me chapter and verse the entire Revelation and understand it properly, completely, the way that God intends it to, you're probably missing a few things. And And why would you not want to read those love letters from God over and over and over again and nourish your heart with that? I mean, it's not just information. He ministers to us in real time, and uh, I I can't imagine living my life without that on a regular basis. So it's a trick question, but I think there I think there is an answer. You know, <laughs> I,
0: I think one of the ways I've approached this is uh, while the Word of God is uh, the same always, it's consistent. It's the Word of God; it never changes. Uh, we certainly change as we are growing. And I can tell you, when I read over portions of Scripture that I I have read a million times, there's something new. It's just like His mercies are new every morning. His Word is renewing every day. And I think that is crucial for us to remember that our growth, we don't go from saved to sanctified and glorified in one day. It's a long process, but one that that if we look back over the course of our life, it's been it's been progressed by the reading and the studying and the devotion to god's word.
1: yeah i read for, i read second timothy and you know second corinthians way differently now as a pastor than i did even 10 years ago you know so that it's a great point that you're making that yeah we we are people who change and the word of god accommodates that change and and facilitates that change which is really good.
0: If you were to encourage one of our listeners and, and your readers to uh, pick up this book and to pick up the Word of God, what challenge would you have for them? What, what kind of mark would you set out for them in, in pressing them on to persevere in doing well?
1: Yeah, I, it seems counterintuitive, but I think the first thing I would say is, um, is relax and enjoy I think there is so much, especially if we're struggling with guilt and shame or frustration. Uh, most people who are going to pick up this book are probably going to pick it up because they want to know how to get from here to there or they're frustrated in the process. And I would just say be encouraged, relax, and have hope that this is something that God wants you to do. I'm writing a book to convince you of something God has already said he wants you to do. Uh, so know that God is on your side with this, that he wants you to know his word. Now there's going to be obstacles that you have, sinfulness, hardness of heart, whatever, uh, you know, laziness or struggling with priorities, whatever. Um, but just know that if you have any desire at all to understand God's word, that God is for you in that regard. And to be encouraged that you can do this, anybody can do this. You just have to start and you know learn a couple things to get to that point. But Uh, don't let yourself become frustrated. Uh, And maybe it's just a matter of changing how you think about approaching the word of God. That's what it was for me. I, I was, you know, sold that I had to do X, Y, Z a certain way. And once I realized that I could change my approach to it, it's like the blinders came off and I got excited. Uh, My, the first book I ever studied through was Titus. And I remember, you know, I couldn't get enough, you know, my whole world was just Titus. I remember Googling Crete and Greek, Grecian culture. And I, I just wanted to know. I just want to understand. And uh, and so this is not something that, that is only for certain kinds of people. This is for all believers uh, who've been redeemed by Christ.
0: And this is not something else. I mean, you put a lot of work into this book. It, it elicits a kind of group study as well. There's a lot of questions at it. Uh, this is not something we have to do individually either. We can do it with a church. We can do it with a smaller group. Uh, I have found that uh, accountability really helps build that desire mm-hmm. as well, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I did. I put study questions at the end of the chapters uh, for that purpose, because, um, you know, a lot of times there's actually been a couple churches that have contacted me and they're using this as kind of a, a, of a baseline and they're going to be, you know, working together and trying to encourage each other on how to do this. Um, uh, I think, you know, having a trusted friend that you can sort of sit down and read with and talk things through uh, certainly doesn't take the place of asking God directly. But sometimes, I mean, people can really be encouraging and they can help you and they can ask questions and you can think through things differently. And uh, I don't know where I'd be without trusted teachers and people leading me along. Uh, That's the, you know, Acts chapter eight, you know, the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, Philip comes along and he says, you know what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? You know, that's the purpose. You know, we're here to help each other, to encourage each other in the faith. And so, uh, yeah, please use this for for studies. Use it devotionally. Uh, Again, it just it's designed to be a help and an encouragement to you.
0: And I try to emphasize this all the time. It, there's something special that happens when you're talking about the thing that you're learning and that you're loving, that just kind of, uh, it, you, you share that, you harmonize with other people, that just kind of ignites that flame even more. It's a great way uh, to kind of build a, a hunger for the Word of God.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Amen.
0: You've emphasized the importance of prayer to start off our desire, to kickstart our desire for the Word of God. Would you pray for our listeners uh, that they would hunger for the Word of God and that they would be encouraged to find the grace that they need for each day on the pages of Scripture?
1: Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Uh, Lord, you could have remained silent and let us just try to figure it out on our own, and we would have failed. So thank you, Lord, for revealing uh, yourself through your Word what a joy it is to, to know that we can get to you and understand what you're thinking and want us to know. Lord, I pray for those who are listening. Maybe there's a person who's listening who is really struggling right now. And I pray that you might uh, use a book like this or even another book like this. But Lord, that you would reach that person and give them a desire and, uh, and the encouragement that they need to get into the Bible, to get to know you. Uh, Lord, that's really the, su- the supreme measure of all of this is to know you uh, foremostly. And so I pray, Lord, uh, for the listeners. I pray for anyone who would uh, access this book or others, uh, that we would be a people that know your word. And Father, things are only going to change for the better if we know uh, your word. And so I pray for that for these people. Uh, Thank you, Lord, again uh, for song time, for Adam, and just pray that you would bless this program in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We've been talking with Nate Pickowitz about his book called "How to Eat Your Bible: A Simple Approach to Learning and Loving the Word of God." It's a really great resource and one that I am excited about to encourage our listeners to really delve into the scriptures for themselves. It's something you know we struggle with every day because I know people are listening to Songtime because they want to hear the Word of God preached, but they they need to do this on their own as well, not just depend upon uh, ministries uh, or even just depending upon the preaching they're getting from their churches. We need. The word of God, and we need to do it uh, on our own. And there's a great reward in that. So, uh, Nate, thank you so much for this book, uh, for making it as simple as possible for us, but also uh, a, a word of inspiration for us to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness and to find it in God's word. So, thanks again for, for being with us and sharing your, your story and your book with us.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's an honor to do it. I love it. Thank you so much.